you don't need to like live in LA or New York to like establish yourself as a photographer. It's actually easier in a city like Portland because there isn't guest list competition. There isn't all like there's, there was no one else doing what I was doing. And so when artists would come to Portland, they would always hit me up and that helped me kind of build my photo resume. And I think it actually gave me an advantage. And we are back with another Black With No Cream podcast, the number one resource for content creators on earth. Every Monday, we share interviews and discussions with industry-leading creatives whose stories will inspire you to follow your passion. I'm your host, Ben Haggerty, and my goal is to provide you with the shortcuts, tips, and advice that'll take your career to the next level. You are now listening to episode 210, and today's guest is photographer Black Prince. Shit! Goddamn, my coffee is hot as hell. Yo, today we have Nezrin Dannon on the show, known on the internet as Black Prince. Nezrin is a lifestyle and music photographer who has gained notoriety shooting for artists such as G-Eazy, Shawn Mendes, Black Bear, along with brands like Coca-Cola, Urban Outfitters, Revlon, and more. In this interview, some of the things we discuss are how Nezrin landed the opportunity to shoot for G-Eazy whenever he performed in her hometown of Portland. The challenges of taking on Warp Tour as her first big touring gig with Modson. Nezrin's long-term friendship with Olivia O'Brien, who she has worked with for over five years. Her experiences shooting for YouTube social at VidCon. How she has built an audience of over 120,000 followers on her Instagram and secured influencer brand deals with companies like Uber, Puma, and Bose. That and so much more. We're excited for you to hear this episode today. Yo, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been leaving reviews for us on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you. Um, like I said, each week for five weeks, we're going to be giving away a free How to Charge a Client Guide and a free Black Window Cream hoodie to the person who leaves the most impactful review on Apple Podcasts. Um, I'm going to announce the winner for this week at the end of today's episode. So stay tuned and make sure that you drop a five-star banger right now. Pause this shit right now. Go leave us a review um, if you want to qualify for next week's drawing. Each review lets other creatives like learn about the value of this podcast and how it can help them out in their daily grind. And I'm on the quest to hit 500 reviews. Uh, and your help doing that means the world to me, so thank you. Um, but that's it. The time has come. Pour up a coffee, get ready to take some notes, and enjoy the best podcast ever created right motherfucking now! Ladies and gentlemen, we have Nezrin on the podcast. Some DJ horns for that. How are you? How are you doing? Welcome to LA. You just moved here. Thank you. Yeah, um, I'm doing good. Like I just said, um, I don't have air conditioning, so at the moment, just kind of hot and sweaty. But um, other than that, doing fine. Um, you coming from Portland, Oregon? Yeah. So yeah. So you literally like just moved here like a week or two ago? Yeah, like two weeks. Eesh. Welcome. How do you how do you feel about the move? Thanks. Um, I I feel good about it. <laughs> I, I I think I've been following you. I, I can't remember when I started when I found your account, but I've been check, watching your work, and I think you have your portraits are just locked. Like you have such an ill like style when it comes to shooting people, and you capture people in like a really raw way. I don't I don't I think it's really cool, and music photography on top of that too. But I would be curious to hear from your perspective, like how do you describe yourself as a creator? Thank you. Um, I yeah, as a creator, I mean. People are always like, what do you do? And I'm like, honestly, I just do a lot of things. Like you said, I do music photography. I do portraits. I do 
sponsored like brand content. I also do social strategy for a ton of brands. So I'm doing all of that on the back end that like people don't really see that part of my work. Um, yeah, as a creator, I just kind of like take whatever comes at me and like see what I can do with it. Um, portraits are probably one of my favorites though. I mean, I love music photography. That's what got me into photography, but I feel like as far as like creativity goes, I get to do the most fun stuff with portraits. Right, and I feel like it's, it's cool to see how you seem to know all famous people. You're, you seem to be friends <laughs> with everyone that is famous. You know what I'm saying? So like, um, yeah, I mean, I guess you could say I'm like every famous person's like not famous friend, if that's where you're going with that. Yeah, right, right, right. It's like you seem to be the person that has the camera that's always in the shit with them. And and I think most of your captions are always that this was like a drunk night. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Right. Like, you're absolutely not wrong. I don't really. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really know how it ended up like that. But you just you just meet people. Right. And it's a very like who you know type of thing. I feel like with photography and like the entertainment industry, um, and somehow I ended up knowing the right people. <laughs> well, no, it's it's cool because I think it allows you to push the boundaries of like, especially when you start working with more high profile people. Um, mm -hmm. Their content needs are always much higher than normal, so it pushes you as a photographer to like kind of stand out. But I'd be curious to to scale back, like kind of for you, what would you define your your almost like your first break? as a photographer, like I've heard some of your story by doing my research or whatever, but I'm curious from your standpoint of like, what was that moment? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like, I guess like first break. I mean, I don't know. I, I always tell people, I'm like, I feel like GEZ obviously like broke my career for me. Um, he really was always like posting my photos, tagging me, you know, inviting me out to like shows and other like really cool after party shit and just allowing me that opportunity to take photos of him. Um, and that was kind of like during his rise. Um, and I absolutely adore him. And I'm really thankful for just like artists who are willing to like give a random like college girl who wants to be a photographer a chance. Of course. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if there was one singular like moment that I could pinpoint though. But that getting access to an artist of at, at that level, because G's been G for so long, um, yeah. getting access to someone like him early on is, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of people that don't live in like a major city, and I would consider Portland like a fairly, and I know you're not from Portland originally, you're some, some, somewhere else in Oregon. Yeah, I'm from Corvallis, which is like a much smaller town. Um, and it was just kind of like, I moved to Portland for college. And I was also like going off of the idea that I was like, okay, there are a ton of music venues there. I'll be close to the airport. I can really kind of pursue this photography thing outside of school and just like see where it goes. Um, and yeah, that ended up panning out pretty well for me. And I always tell people though, I'm like, you don't need to like live in LA or New York to like establish yourself as a photographer. It's actually easier in a city like Portland because there isn't guest list competition there isn't all like there's there was no one else That's doing what i was doing and so when artists would come to portland they would always hit me up and that helped me kind of build my photo resume and i think it actually gave me an advantage mm, that's really interesting yeah. i love i love that perspective of it because i think it is cool the fact that the competition may have been lower in entry level to get in but i think it is cool to have access to someone like that where a lot of people are from random places that don't have access to major cities. And when that's the case, they're only kind of blessed with the local talent to work with and try to like build a portfolio and so on and so forth. Right? Yeah. But it is cool that you have access to someone like that. And I think that that is, it, it, I feel like maybe did that have anything to do with the way it guided you 
into concert photography and like made you feel, were you always passionate about concert photography or, or did the access kind of help that? Yeah. I mean, I, growing up, I like, didn't go to a lot of shows. Like I, I don't know. I lived, you know, two hours away from Portland. And so my mom was like, not about to drive me to a concert. So when that became something that I could actually like go to, I was like super excited. And I had this passion for photography and I kind of, you know, snuck my little film camera into a couple of shows and stuff. And it just kind of evolved into something that like people were actually inviting me out to shoot their shows. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Um, yeah. So I just kind of ran with that and did that and it ended up working out. <laughs> yeah. Did that, did that like lead you into, cause I know you toured with Olivia O'Brien and maybe the chain smokers. So did that start that section of your life? Did, did shooting those? Yeah. Shows, how, did, how did that come to be? Yeah. Um, I, my first tour was warp tour in 2015 with mod son and actually, even before that, I had been asked to do two other tours, but I could not because I was a full-time college student. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm actually going to graduate. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go to school. But yeah, warp Tours in the summer. So I was able to do that with Maude. Um, and that was a really, you know, warp Tours is like the craziest, most difficult thing. And I think doing that, I was like, if I can survive Warped, I can survive anything. Um, and I'd been friends with Olivia for a little while. I've been working with her since she was like 15. Um, so yeah, I've done all her tours. And yeah, then I worked with Kiara on the Chainsmokers Arena Tour. Um, yeah, just random stuff here and there. But I, I did like recently in the past like two or three years, um, decide that I want to work with more female artists. I think I just really like, I don't know, helping women build like their careers and having dope visuals and all that stuff. So definitely kind of more focused um, towards like some female pop artists right now. That's really dope. Yeah I, yeah, I can imagine. And I've heard the horror stories of touring Warp Tour and how it's like these ridiculous days where you have to check in super early in the morning. You have the long drives and the like the bus, you have to share buses with other people sometimes. It, was that yeah. some of your experience? <laughs> Um, no, we had our own bus. So it was just like the mod sun crew on our bus. It was, it was okay. It's just a really big event. It's like a traveling festival. There were like 70 bands or something. It's a lot of people. It's like close to a thousand people on the tour itself. Right. Um, and so hot. Oh my God. It's so hot. on tour, like well, I'm, everywhere. Cu I'm curious to know what, what that experience, like for you to get access to a tour like that, what was that for you? I mean, did that, obviously it's a shit show and it's a lot of work but for you mm -hmm. being your first tour like what did that mean to you as a photographer like getting access to something uh, it was it was really good experience i think just because i was like this is one of the hardest tours in the music industry and i'm doing it like as my first thing um i also met a ton of people that i'm still friends with today or connections that have gotten me like other jobs and stuff so yeah it was definitely good for getting your name out there and Warp Tour was also one of those tours that I had always wanted to go to as a kid. I was very into like pop punk and alternative stuff and I was never able to go. So that being my first tour that I could actually be on was just awesome for me personally. That's super yeah. epic. Is it, uh, you know, going from a Warp Tour, which like you said, there's so many people there for so many different bands and then going to Olivia O'Brien, what were her shows like size wise? Cause she, was it like slow growth or was it instantly um, a lot of people? The first tour we did, she was opening for Jack and Jack. And those shows were pretty, pretty good. I think a lot of them were sold out. I don't know if all of them were. Um, and then on her second tour where she was headlining, it was almost completely sold out the whole tour. Like she is amazing. Her fans are amazing. I really just like that culture. I don't, it's, it's not exactly pop, but it's not like exactly R&B. 
Right. I don't know. I feel like it just attracts like the best type of people though. It was so, so fun. As far as like the fans and like the interaction between her and yeah. her Yeah. What like what would what did that give you better images or did you just have like better opportunities to like create experiences or moments with her and the fans? It, yeah, definitely gave me better images, especially with like the crowd being that hyped and her meet and greets were just like so cute and fun. And I did some of the video stuff for her, um, her like YouTube series for that tour. And yeah, just so cute. Right. So, so much fun. Um, and also like her lighting and her visuals and stuff were just really dope, like very simple, but like a lot of like neon and purple and all that stuff. So, so and it, it, sounds, was, it was definitely my vibe. <laughs> right. And it sounds like you build like such a solid relationship with her directly. How did that relationship help the way you created content for her? Like, uh, I'm sure you guys. Have oh, yeah. Time. I mean, we're super good friends. Like I said, I've been working with her since she was like 15. So like five years now. And I mean, we share hotel rooms. We're in the bus together all day or in the van or like whatever. Like when you have to be with someone 24 hours a day, it definitely helps if you guys are friends. Yeah. Um, and it, it also helps a lot when we were like had off days or wanted to just go take portraits and stuff. It's just like a really good time. I like touring with people that I'm close friends with. How, how do you feel if you could give advice to someone that's listening when, when it comes to building relationships with artists? Uh, the most important piece of that what is that for you and and how do you approach it because I know a lot of times like for me whenever I work with artists I always try to come off as like a fly on the wall and ease my way into it so mm -hmm. they feel extremely comfortable I'm curious on like how you approach um especially in the music world like how do you approach building relationships with the clients yeah I think I think the fly on the wall approach is definitely good because you never want to be that photographer with like the camera in their face and they don't really know you and then it gets like very awkward and uncomfy um but yeah, I mean, I also try and not have my camera all the time, especially when I first meet somebody, just like try and get to know them, be friends, be super like, um, just, just not like over, overly like in their face, I guess. Um, yeah. And also it's, like I said, a very like who, you know, game. I try and talk to their managers, their agents, their, the rest of their band and like, make sure there's like a good vibe with like everybody just so you get along. Yeah. yeah. And, and so curious, the jump to Chainsmokers, I, I'm assuming they're, how big was the stadium? Or was it arenas? It was arenas. I want to say it was like between six and 8,000. Right. Some, some of them were bigger. And so I'm not really sure the exact capacity in that. But yeah, I was shooting with Kiara. She was opening on that tour. Um, super fun. The Chainsmokers are great. Love them. Great guys. <laughs> so would you get a chance to shoot, would you shoot her set? And their side as well? Would you, did you dabble in both um, or did you kind of keep Sometimes, it? yeah. Sometimes I would shoot there. They had like three photographers and a videographer. They had like a lot of people and they also had a lot of pyro. And so I was like, I don't want to like get in the way of this. Um, but I did like some, you know, backstage like portraits of them. Sometimes I would shoot their set every couple nights or whatever. Um, yeah, was, it was fun. Was it, Um, I know that going to that jump of like arenas, there's so much more space to cover. And, and when it comes down to that, how are you strategizing covering the set especially when it's the opener for a big artist like the Chainsmokers it's like you you know a lot of people are so slowly getting in there the hype isn't always there usually so it, it becomes more challenging yeah. what was some of the strategies that you brought to shooting such a bigger space uh for an opener it, it was definitely really different for me I think I was extremely like surprised by how big the stage was because I was originally like oh I'll just use 
hello, like wide lenses and capture the whole thing. But then I was like, oh my God, she's literally so far away from me when I'm using this wide of a lens. Um, so it was definitely a lot of trial and error. I was trying a lot of different focal lengths and different points on the stage and like in the pit and like trying to figure out what worked the best. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the trial and error was good though, because I would get a ton of different angles and like stuff every single night and have a lot to work with. Yeah, definitely a zoom like lens was necessary for that. And I usually shoot with primes. And so I was like, I'm glad I have a 24 to 70 for this like right now. Right. But and even sometimes yeah. that's not 70 isn't enough. You know what I mean? When no, it's really so not. But it was like better than nothing. And then I, um, yeah, I rented a 24 to 105 for the rest of that tour after like the first week. I was like, okay, I need this. Right. <laughs> I, I've always, it's, it's funny how when you play in like smaller theaters, there's just, it's, the energy is just compact, you know, and, and it makes yeah. it makes for a fun, like wide photo. But sometimes those arenas are hard to shoot wide, especially when there's like extra space that they're roping off and it doesn't look that attractive. Yep. And so you do have to play with tights and, and try to find new angles. How how many shows was that for you? Um, It was like 30 something. It was a lot. It was like 30 something. Do you feel like you hit a wall at a certain point? I'm curious to know. Yes. Like, how do you yeah. how did you beat that? Yeah, I mean, it gets to a point, I feel like for me on every tour where the photos just start to look the same because you're shooting the same set every single night. You know, touring with Olivia, she brings like a million different outfits and stuff. So that's a lot easier to work with because she's wearing something different or doing something different with her hair or makeup or whatever. Um, but there are like male artists I've shot for where I'm like, no offense, but you look exactly the same as you did yesterday. Right. Like these pictures look the same. Just like, damn. <laughs> Yeah. So I think it's just trying to figure out like how to get creative beyond like angles and lighting and stuff. Um, usually I kind of supplement that with like backstage, like portraits and doing some like behind the scenes type stuff, because honestly, fans would rather see that than a concert photo. Like, let's be real. Concert photos do not perform that well on Instagram. And when fans are looking at photos of their favorite artists, they want to see like a you know, something like they can like personally connect with. Um, so yeah, I, I usually try and switch it up with like backstage type stuff, but right. yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's kind of cool because it, it leans into what I think like the primary content you release now is this portrait style content. Like I yeah. see that primarily on your page. So it, it is interesting to see how, you know, starting to shoot these artists and being able to provide this backstage experience, which like you're saying, you're opening up the curtain to like what their life is like beyond. And I'm sure in, in the cities, maybe you got a chance to explore with the artists and, and get more yeah. content outside of that. Was that, did you try to push for that or was that just, did that just happen? Yeah. I mean, some people I tour with really want to go out and like see the cities or go to a bar after the show or like, you know, whatever. Um, other people want to stay in their bus and literally never come outside and, they don't care and every city is exactly the same to them. Yep. So it kind of depends. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really like being able to go out and see new places and like, you know, Google like what's cool around here and we just like walk over there. Yeah. So I try to do that personally. Sometimes I, it works, sometimes it doesn't. It is always a struggle when someone's toured a bunch and then they're just like, oh, yeah. I've seen the Eiffel Tower. Like, Come on, man. The Eiffel Tower. Yeah. <laughs> Show me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, but I do think it's it's cool. I think this is a great position because as you, you know, you started to work with a lot of influencers and in their in their own right, celebrity or whatever you want to call them, mm -hmm. um, you started getting into that space. I feel like you really own that space. Like you really have a cool Thanks. style for the way that you <laughs> capture these people. So I'm curious of like how how did that pick up steam for you? Working with influencers and creating content for them and it almost looks so casual because it almost seemed I was like, oh, 
do these people hire you to shoot them or are you just like always with your camera and everyone you're just always shooting you know what i mean like, i'm mostly friends with most of them i mean i would say the like influencer sphere thing started for me like I got my start on Tumblr. Um, so at Tumblr's peak, I had about 80,000 followers, which today is not a lot, but back on Tumblr, <laughs> back on Tumblr, that was like a significant amount. And yeah, I knew, you know, a lot of the other like very popping people on there who have now gone on to do, you know, Vine or YouTube or TikTok or whatever and grow their own followings. Um, so I think having those real like day one connections, like I knew that when we were in high school on the internet, um, is very interesting. And then through people, I meet other people. Um, I also like work with YouTube. I do contract stuff for them. So I do all of their event photography, like VidCon and creator summits, YouTube black, all of that. Um, and so not only do they know me maybe from a party or the internet or whatever previously, but then they see me at all these work events and they're like, Oh, she actually like works for YouTube. She's like legit. Right. Yeah. So I've made a lot of friends through that. And I, I like shooting with people I know. I like shooting with people that I personally find interesting for whatever reason. Um, and so, so I'll just hit someone up to shoot or they'll hit me up. And it's very casual and organic. And I like to keep it that way. <laughs> yeah. That, it feels like that. When, when you're, I'm curious to hear more about like working with um, like YouTube and working with those types of brands that are, yeah. or, or agencies that are putting you in in touch with you know events like that how when did the youtube job working with youtube start to come and how did that how did you secure that yeah my friend actually i don't know if you've had him on the podcast but greg noir like best concert photographer ever yeah, like, Grayson, the Grayson goat guy. the legend yeah. like we love him yeah. um i think he wasn't able to do something for i don't know but he referred me for the job and i had a call i had an interview they looked at my portfolio they really liked it and they were like yeah will you come shoot big connor i was like yes so yeah, I shoot for YouTube social. So basically the stuff from events that goes on their Instagram or Twitter, um, I usually take those pictures and it's been super fun. I've been doing it for like two years. I was very bummed um, when coronavirus happened because I'm not able to do any of the stuff we had planned this year. So wow. that kind of sucks, but it's great. Um, I love the team there. It's super fun. And I was like so excited that they like took a chance on me and then actually liked me enough to keep asking me back to stuff for two years. Right. So. Yeah. How, how is, I mean, I'm assuming that's one of the biggest brands in the world. Um, when you started mm -hmm. working with them, have you, had you worked with brands prior to that or, or what was that coming into that relationship and how did you kind of dominate it so that they were super stoked with the way you work? Yeah, I had done events kind of similar, but on a much smaller scale for Facebook in the past. And so I, I, I kind of knew like what they were going for and you know, being comfortable running around concerts and like doing festivals and all this stuff. They were really looking for someone with that kind of like work experience. Right. Because um, it is very similar. It's like an indoor conference center, but like you're doing the exact same thing you would be doing at a festival. You know, they were happy with getting all the pics really quick, edited, everything ready to go. Um, they also, you know, really liked that I knew a lot of the creators because we have a list of kind of here's everyone who's here. Let's make sure we get a very like rounded out amount of shots of like almost everybody. Um, and I was able to do that cause I, I knew all the people on the list, like personally from like going out to saddle ranch with them. Yeah. Of um, course. And it was easy for me to just go up to someone and be like, Hey, can I take your picture for YouTube's Instagram? So yeah, it was definitely just like 
being comfortable in that atmosphere. And I think that's, I think that's why they like me. <laughs> I think it's cool. Cause it makes you an incredible asset to them, you know, like being able to have yeah. that access to people and then also just being so friendly and easy to pull someone aside. And cause you know, I mean, a lot of people, they know what they're there for when they come to events like that, they know that there's going to be photographers, they have to take photos, et cetera. But having, yeah. having that experience and, and a, just being friends with people, but B just being able to, talk to people and, and be able to have communication is so key as a photographer, especially when you work with major branded events like that. Uh, I think that there's always a lot of pressure and a lot of people don't know how to navigate that space, which is always interesting to hear. Yeah. And I mean, being a people person is a very like learned skill for me. I'm very much like introverted myself. I like to stay home and not see anybody for like days at a time. Um, but it's also being a photographer, especially if you want to do concerts or events or anything where you have to interact with like large groups of people. I'm like, you have to learn how to like turn it on when you need to and just like be outgoing and not be awkward and like all of that. Yeah. So. And for people who don't know, when you're when you're touring with an artist, uh, the demand for content is usually pretty quick. So pretty quick. I'm, I'm assuming that you got really good at quick turnarounds um, on, the, on the road. So how does that kind of help you out in your experience with working with big events like this to just be able to massively give them dumps of content? Yeah, I mean, it's, I normally would give an artist after a show, let's say like 30 edited photos within an hour and a half of the show ending. I literally sit down like right after the show's over, import everything, run through it really quick. I probably already have ideas in my head of like, this was good, this was good, this was not good, so we're not gonna use that. Yeah, make my own presets, paste everything on, export it, send it to their iPhone in a format that's like ready for Instagram. And so I kind of do the same thing with this event, except I send them a lot more selects. It's definitely a lot more work and more photos in the end, um, but it's very much the same style of like delivering photos. And when you're doing those jobs, are you typically the only photographer working within that space at those jobs? Or is there, do they hire a couple different people? I'm, I'm not the only photographer, but I'm the only photographer doing what I'm doing. So like if I'm shooting for social, I'm the only person doing that. There are always like Getty images photographers, like also like random other people shooting for maybe internal Google stuff or uh, newspapers or magazines or whatever. And there's always like a portrait photographer with a whole like backdrop and lighting setup. And I'm yeah. like, oh, hey, hello. Um, but I'm the only person shooting the stuff that's actually going on their social media. So they have, it's very structured. Everyone knows what they're doing. Um, yeah. I think what's cool is that having, you know, you're shooting all these likable people. And as you're, that's what we should call it instead of influencers, just likable. <laughs> uh, you're shooting all these likable people. And I think it's cool because it's also, it builds an audience for yourself. Um, like through. it does. Yeah. So can you talk about that? I'm, I'm curious to hear about how you've built your own platform because in your own right, you're this, you're a likable person slash influencer or whatever you want to call <laughs> it because it is cool. You've done a lot of like campaign work with different brands through that. And I, I imagine that comes yeah. with having worked with all these celebrities and, and being able to acquire fans, I guess. I don't know, but could you share some more on that? Yeah, it's really interesting because like I said, like after getting my start on Tumblr, I had my own like quote unquote, like fans in a way, but I didn't really want to go in like the YouTuber direction. I don't know. I just don't love being in front of the camera that much. And I feel like I would much rather be creating behind the scenes, but it's also like people who follow me on Instagram, you know, they see me on stories, they see me posting, you know, pictures of myself, pictures of whatever I'm doing. And you kind of become like a, personality and so brands obviously want real people representing their stuff so I get a lot of brand deals where they're like we want you in the photos and I'm like okay um 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, shooting with, you know, celebrities, influencers, likable people, um, definitely expands that because as they're posting photos and tagging me, people are looking at my Instagram and being like, Oh my God. And she knows this person and she shoots this person. And I really like her outfit in this picture. And then they follow me and you know, I'm gaining followers and fans and whatever, um, in a sense too. So it, you know, it's fun. I think, um, in the photography community, it's very common to like not post photos of yourself. It's seen as like not professional and like whatever. And I'm like, I'm not about to have two Instagrams. Like I can barely manage one. Right. So y'all are getting my pictures and my brand deals on the same page. And like, I really don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I'm like, you know what, if you follow me, you get my photos and my personality. You're welcome. Bro's one stone. <laughs> I like, I like that. It's uh for, for, I don't know. I think people struggle with that and always want to like keep it so professional. And some people, it works that way. It, it works to have it be your resume. Like, yeah. Or I just posted a video of me with like a yo-yo on the beach and then the rest of it could just be like all work. And I'm just like, I don't really give yeah. it anymore. It doesn't matter. But yeah. And I mean, I, I don't want to knock anybody who has like two separate Instagrams because honestly it does look cleaner. It does look more professional and stuff, but I'm just like, I don't, you but know, it, everyone also, started following me on this account. I'm not going to switch. It also shows you doing things. Like it shows you yeah. traveling. It shows you going to unique spaces and, and it shows that you are creative and you put in work. You know what I mean? Like by having. I'm creative and also like a person with uh, a life. Yeah, yes. Right. <laughs> and people like that shit. Um, I'd be curious to hear like when you're working with, um, say like influencers, right? There's a mm -hmm. trade off there because. Some, you may go and shoot with somebody and they could tag you out or whatever. Maybe you get a following through that, which is a benefit money-wise because then you can turn around and say, oh, cool, I have followers here. Brands like followers. Brands will give you money to talk to those followers. And that's a pain. Totally. I'm curious, like, is there ways, because it's so weird for creators to charge people. Do you charge influencers to, like, do shoots or how do you go about kind of, like, making money in that space. Cause it's very weird. Wow. Wow. West. Space. Yeah. Um, it definitely depends. I mean, I'm always down to like do creative stuff and shoot with my friends for free. I'm not going to charge my friends for just like us getting together for an afternoon and like doing something creative, but it's also like, if it's not someone I know super well and they have like very specific things they need, if they're shooting like a merch line and they're like, I need 40 final edits and I need them like this and I need them to look like this will be working at a rate because right. that's just a lot. Yeah. Kind of, kind of depends. Um, honestly, the majority of my income is from my actual like photography jobs, like brands and clients hiring me and then also doing brand deals, influencer work, all that stuff on the side. Um, I also do some like social strategy consultation for a couple brands and clients. So yeah, I'm not like pressed to charge my friends for a photo shoot, but if it's someone I don't know super well, um, yeah. Well, I think it's cool because it provides you that balance of being able to stay creative in between jobs because you could go do a, a job for YouTube, Facebook, whoever, and those rates are always going to be much better than working for some random artist for tour. Yeah. Weekly rate <laughs> yes, tour they are. <laughs> so when you do those jobs, it's cool. And I, it's it's funny because like I've, I've even personally felt like I was struggling from not being as creative. Obviously, everyone's not as creative during quarantine, but like, oh man, it'd be fun just to go shoot something. And I don't do that yeah. just for whatever, because we're doing this, but it gets on you. And I think that's a way to provide you an outlet to be creative and test that. And then brands will see that content and want to hire you maybe for the work you did that was for free. You know, if just going out and running gun with a homie or whatever, and you get some content that way, it's cool. Yeah. And I feel like that's most of the way I've built my portfolio is really just through like 
the fun stuff with my friends or with some random model that I found on Instagram or like whatever. I mean, those are what end up being my favorite photos. Like, I don't think I've ever done a brand deal and been like, wow, that's the best picture I've ever taken. Like, I honestly think I do my best work when I'm not being paid or put pressure on to like do so. Interesting. What, what, um, I would love to hear a little bit more about your consultation when it comes to brand strategy. Like, how do you, how did you position yourself there and, and what kind of things do you like to offer to brands that maybe creators could take in now as a note or to, to work into their own brands? Yeah, I kind of got into that just because I had, um, I'm trying to remember the first one that reached out to me, but I had like a smaller brand, a smaller client just be like, Hey, we were wondering if you could take some photos of this product for us and like kind of, um, help us like figure out like our website design. And I was like, yeah, for sure. So I like charged them a small fee. What time do you think we should post? And like, what do you think the caption should be? And should we use hashtags? And I was like, oh, like people actually want this insight from someone who like just does this Instagram stuff like for a living. Um, yeah, so I started kind of doing that for a couple people and I, it's, I do it here and there. It's definitely not like my main job, um, but I, I do that for a couple companies and it's kind of fun honestly to like use what I've learned from Instagram that I'm like this is not a real job like this is not like a real thing at all right. um but to be able to like actually utilize that information and those like analytics and statistics to like help someone build their social so yeah are you reaching out to those brands or do those brands or companies seem to find you how, how, do, how do you build those relationships? usually usually they reach out to me um I feel like yeah, I don't think I've ever reached out to someone and been like, hi, I'll like help you build your Instagram. Because also that sounds like a scam. What, <laughs> it like does. If, if I DM them and I'm like, let me help you build your Instagram, like that sounds like something a bot would send you. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, when you were back home, you were able to build your brand locally and you traveled mm-hmm. quite a bit for that. When it comes to that, what do you, pro- like, I want to go back to the topic you said at the beginning, talking about not having to live in LA or New York. Um, yeah. You live in LA now. So what, I do. <laughs> what made you choose to move here? And then I would love to hear like, cause you don't have to move here. And I'd love to hear your advice to people about that a little bit more, but first, why did you move to LA? So yeah, I moved to LA because in like January, I had two of my like longer term, like bigger clients be like, hi, like if you live in LA, we'll like put you on retainer. And like, the, we were all like talking about contracts, doing all that stuff. Um, the end of my lease was coming up. And then, you know, coronavirus happened and here we are, but I had kind of just already set my mind on like, I'm just going to move to LA. Like I'm going to do it for a couple of years. I've never lived anywhere else. So I was like, you know, might as well, all my friends are out here and stuff. Um, so I decided to make the move. Obviously all my work stuff is just kind of on hold at the moment. So I'm hoping post Rona, um, those opportunities will still be available and stuff, but it, it wasn't like a crazy move for me. I, like I said, I've been working between Portland and LA for about five years. I'm here once a month for about a week. Wow. I'm here like all the time, yeah. like so frequently. So I was like, honestly, I'm just going to stop bugging my friends and staying at their houses and I'm just going to get my own place. Um, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't a crazy move for me, but also I love Portland. I was very sad to leave. Um, I definitely want to move back there at some point. It's the best city ever. But yeah, in terms of not having to live in LA or New York. I feel like that was something that was so important to me when I first started photography. Cause I was like, Oh, all my favorite photographers like live in these really big cities and I'm never going to have those opportunities and stuff. Um, and like I said, I think it was actually, you know, easier for me to kind of build my portfolio in Portland. Um, especially if you're trying to do music stuff, it's, it's hard to get on guest lists in New York and LA. Like you have to be someone or you have to know someone and they have to really want you there because yeah. lists fill up really quick. 
And um, yeah, in Portland, I was just given so many more opportunities. And I also loved like the diversity of living there. Like brands would reach out to me and be like, hi, we want you to shoot this product like on a hiking trail. Yeah, and right. I could actually do that with pine trees and like rain and like cool stuff that you're not seeing as a photographer in LA. Yeah, I don't know. It just it just made me stand out a little bit. And I think that honestly helped my brand quite a bit. Would, did you find yourself doing a lot of like, like product photography? Did you do anything like that? Was it around that? Or yeah, I, I do product photography. Like all, the, like I said, I literally do any type of photography. Just like hit me up and I'll probably be doing it. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I do a lot of that stuff. And I was also working with like some local Portland brands, whether it was restaurants or coffee shops or clothing brands. Um, and just like being able to live in a city that's like large, but like small enough that there's that kind of community where they're looking to hire like local photographers was really cool. And I feel like it's it's a, a such a smoother like running space. Like it's it yeah. doesn't seem to be as hectic as, as it is here. Where it's definitely not. If you wanted to hit the mountains real quick, it would take you like all day to go out to like Big Bear or some shit to to cop. Yeah. Products. But yeah, that is cool that you have the luxury of like rain all the time and everything yeah. Else, you know what I mean? Like beautiful weather and whatnot. That is dope. Wait, how how does one go about you know living not in LA or where most of these major agencies are from? How does one go about uh, attracting agencies and getting them put onto their work and, and then building that relationship that would, you know, funnel jobs? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Some of the photo jobs that have been, you know, offered to me by agencies, I honestly could not tell you how they found me. I think they were probably just searching like Portland photographer, or, like Oregon photographer, and with like SEO and stuff, my website probably just came up. Um, because a lot of people compliment my website. Apparently it looks very good to clients. Um, and so also, number one tip, have a good website for like anyone listening. Um, but I've set up a couple of meetings with agencies in San Francisco and New York, like when I was traveling, and they actually ended up like really liking me and I still work with them. And it was good to just start that like face-to-face connection, but then they send me work that can be done remotely if it doesn't have to be done in the city they're in. So would definitely recommend that. I had just like emailed them, reached out, and they were like, yeah, we'd love to like take you out for coffee or whatever. So that was good. And yeah. Could you break oh. down like what the agency experience is? Because I don't think maybe some people aren't don't understand what an agency can do for you as the creator. Yeah. I mean, my favorite thing about working with agencies is they normally pitch me to brands that I have literally no connection to and would never be able to reach out to by myself. So that's the big thing for me. Um, I also don't pitch myself very frequently. I usually just kind of wait for people to come to me, take whatever comes to me. And so having an agency as the middleman who can like, not only pitch me to brands that I don't have a previous connection with, but also negotiate me a better rate right. is like really key. Yeah. Do you, do you have, you don't have management or anything like that? No, um, I do not just because my business model is weird. I think it's not super normal. Like I'm doing my photography jobs, but I'm also doing like touring stuff and influencer stuff. And then the social like consultation stuff. Um, and I have not been able to really find like a manager who can handle all of that. And right. so as of now, I still just kind of do it all myself. Yeah. But and yeah. It, and it, it is nice when, when you do start to experience like an opportunity working with an agency, like not only are they connecting you with these brands and like you said, they're staying up for your rate because the more money they can make you, that means that they're making yep. more money. And so <laughs> exactly. you want someone who it's hard as a creator to like express, I need more bags from you to do this job. 
because yeah. you feel like a dick for for whatever reason. And and these people don't give a fuck. They wear suits. And like, well, no. and it's really awkward, I feel like, sometimes to have to negotiate for yourself because you're like, I'm literally talking to the person who's going to be signing the check. Yeah. And like, I don't want to like beg for more money, but I do though. Yeah. Do you, do you, <laughs> yeah. Do you no, have agencies a lot of, are great. Do you have a lot of one-on-one relationships with brands specifically? Yeah. Is it a balance? Um. Yeah. I mean, I... I would say it's it's probably like 50-50 on like one-on-one relationships and agency stuff. Um, it kind of depends because there are some brands that I work with through like influencer agencies, which is like a, you know, totally different thing. And that's specifically for like Instagram stories or posts or brand deals. And then there's like photo job things. And then I've also had an agency reach out to me for like writing stuff because I did like a couple articles like last year that were in partnership with Adobe oh, and... Nice ran like the most random little jobs and like lately i've been doing a lot of commercial stuff i'm like a pretend actress now like i really don't know how that happened for me but Wait, <laughs> so i have another agency what? that does that like in what what do you mean um i did let's see i did a frito-lay commercial i did uh, an ad for better help which is all over instagram yeah and i have a couple more coming out in the next few months what so you're acting yeah. low-key acting I'm literally doing it all. It's it's exhausting. Do you have speaking parts <laughs> in these commercials? Yeah. That's dope. Where did that shoot at? The Frito-Lay one I actually shot in Portland. I just had to send in the footage. Actually, most of them I've shot by myself and sent in the footage. Yeah. So do you try to collaborate with other photographers? Like you said, you, you share a lot of photos of you, right? And it's usually cool, like cool. They're done well, right? Like you're working with other yeah. photographers. <laughs> it's, it's, it's common, I think for a lot of creators to collaborate in that sense. Um, so is that important for you when you're around other creatives to like give them content of themselves doing their thing? Like, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I really like shooting with friends and like, I just make it fun, make it candid. Like if I go out with a bunch of friends, like obviously we're probably going to take pictures. Um, yeah. So, and I think having photographer friends is really important, not only for content of yourself, but also just like having people to relate to and talk about your job with and, a lot of people don't get it. Like freelancing is very like weird and it's nice to have friends to do the same thing. Yeah. That's why we started uh black window cream. Cause I was like, we need to try to bring everyone together into a space where they can yeah. communicate like this. And, and it's been cool to see that thrive. I, I, with your branded experience and, and having created content, what are some of like the standout campaigns or I don't know, pieces of content that you've created when you've done that stuff as the influencer? Um, as the influencer, I really loved my Doc Martens campaign. I think that was really cool. I also just love Doc Martens. And so like the brand opportunity was awesome. What else? What did they make you do? Or like, so can you, let's just break that one down. So if Doc Martens yeah. hits you up, cool. They hit you up. They want to work with you. How are they pitching it? Are you negotiating? Are you negotiating like what you're willing to do? You know, sometimes they have weird asks. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, how did it go for you? If you kind of like walk through how the experience was for you? Yeah, it was, it was like very standard. I mean, they reached out and they were like, Hey, we're doing this campaign about like what makes you tough. And we want like a caption on like why you're tough and like, you know, why you choose to wear Doc Martens, whatever. Um, and we need a couple photos. We need like, it was one post and like three Instagram stories, which is like the standard, like, um, social media deliverable. Um, yeah. And I just, you know, negotiated my rate a little bit and then, uh, my friend helped me shoot it and I sent them the photos and they edited it into like this really cool grid, like one of those where you swipe and like the photos are on like half of the thing. I don't know. Yeah, it was right. dope. Yeah. But I really liked it. That's like a brand I really resonated with. Yeah. Cool campaign. So I love that. I saw you did something where you like 
because I was just telling, complimenting you that you have a cool vlog channel. You just, I like that you're just filming and releasing that content to people. Thanks. You, what'd you call it? Your shit platform or something? You said my, my shit posting. My shit posting. Right. So when you did that, I saw you had made like a video where you reached out to Toyota and they gave you like a car and you got to like go mob through the woods. Oh yeah. So it's like, yeah. How it's cool that you use it as a way to create experiences for yourself beyond just waiting for them to hit you about an experience. Yeah. And I mean, there are some brands that I'm like, like Toyota, like they they were not paying me, but they were like, we'll give you a car for a week. And I was like, I will take it. I'll take it. I'll yeah. take the car. Right. Um, yeah. So that was cool. And like, I have a great relationship with them. They were always like, reach back out if you want another car. And I was like, I will. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I, try and make it like as organic and as fun as possible. Like brands I would actually use, or I do use in my daily life and just stuff that I'm actually into, you know, you'll never catch me posting like skinny tea or anything like weird and off brand, but yeah. But it is cool how, how it like allows you, you can almost use that as an opportunity to have another brand see, Oh cool. You worked with Toyota. So we're Nissan or whoever the other car company is. And now, yeah, you know, we want to work with you. Cool. Well, Toyota paid me this much. Plus, they gave me a car for three weeks. So I'm going to need you to match exactly. that deal. I don't think people think like that. And that's that's honestly, to me, it's a cool conversation to have because when people, I mean, the number one question or topic in the creative world is like charging people and figuring out all that shit, how much charge. And that's a benefit of working or doing jobs for free or a weird trade or whatever is that you can uh-huh. like turn that into making money. Like that opportunity can turn into, I know you said something in another uh, post, I read it somewhere that you had snuck into like a Macklemore show and shot his show or whatever. And that experience changed your life, which is cool. But I'm sure having shot one show being Macklemore and this was like, he's exploding and, and you know, superstar in that, in that time period, getting to shoot something like that probably opened up the door for you to be able to shoot other artists. Is that a fact? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, when I, so that was the first show I like ever shot is I took my film camera when I was in high school to a Macklemore show and you know, it it was a free show. It was like before the heist, he wasn't really like a big deal or whatever. Um, but I took a bunch of pictures put them like on my Tumblr and stuff. Another artist ended up seeing it and inviting me to shoot his shows in Seattle and Portland. And, you know, from there, it kind of just snowballs. Like that that guy who had invited me to shoot his shows actually introduced me to like G and like Cody Allen and like Black Bear and like all these people I ended up working with later down the line. Yeah, it really does open doors for you. I mean, I always tell people like, take as many opportunities as you can. You know, there's that stigma that's like, you shouldn't work for free. And if it's like a big brand, you shouldn't work. But I'm like, if you don't have a huge following, you don't have a great portfolio and all that stuff, you should work for free a little bit at first, especially if it's like, a really good opportunity. I mean, you have to judge what is and what isn't, but um, that opens doors for you. So yeah, absolutely. And I and it is it is cool to see just what can come. Like <clears throat> I think a lot of my best experiences have come from me doing absolutely like free work, just over and over and again. Yeah. And, and and the doors that open from there. But I think a lot of people, if you would have came into it trying to shoot Macklemore and charging them, like, hey, I'm a photographer, I'm brand new. Yeah. <laughs> and I need <laughs> They'd be rate. like, and we don't need you. <laughs> yeah, we don't need you. But and they didn't even need you. You snuck into that shit. And like that's the no, yeah. But like it, it does it it is interesting. And I know a lot of people struggle with trying to decide like when and when to pull the trigger on asking for money and, and it becomes that. But it, I think you've found like this really cool balance of, you know, allowing big brands to pay for your life and then you're able to use <laughs> the extra time to go and create experiences and content that people resonate with on the internet that then turn into more jobs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, like I, 
I think one of the really big ones that a lot of people asked me about was um, 2018. I did this like charity project and I went to Laos um, and shot for an elephant conservation project. It was insane. We spent like a week in the jungle in Laos and just like hung out with elephants. But a lot of people were like, oh my God, like, did you get paid to do it? I was like, no, dude, I did that shit for free because it was A, for charity, but B, you know, they were like, we will route your flights any way you want. And I had them route my flight home through Thailand for four days. And then I got to just go to Thailand for free. Um, and so I was like, you know, just take those opportunities, make the most of them. I was also like, when would I ever go to Laos in my entire life and like get to pet elephants and like walk around in the jungle and be able to add something like that to my portfolio? I also got to take two of my friends with me. And I was just like, sometimes you really just got to say yes. Yeah. Like, and what that content's going to mean to that organization just like yeah so yeah no they they do awesome awesome work um it's like one of the elephant conservation things it's like a no riding no bathing like the non um invasive tourism type of stuff and so i really just like resonated with that and thought it was really cool that, that is amazing um yeah i would love to hear like what are you shooting on now currently if you get to shoot that often um uh, but what are you yeah. shooting on now and and what's been kind of like the gear that you take along with you yeah, I mean, I have not been shooting that much, honestly, lately in quarantine. I had a couple shoots this past week, um, but nothing crazy. Um, but I have the 5D Mark IV. I love it. Um, Sigma 35 is usually my go-to, the Sigma 35 Art. Um, also, like, my 24 to 70. And then, yeah, my Leica. I have a little, like, point-and-shoot Leica uh, film camera. So that's usually, I keep it very simple. Right. No, that's, I mean, the light bag is the best shit in the world. Exactly. <laughs> it's like literally the best thing. What, what, when you seem to, I think you've really honed in on being able to use natural lighting in your, fo- in your photos. Like, that's my favorite. I literally hate artificial light. I hate it so much. Yeah. Do you, do you rarely <laughs> yeah. use that? Um, very rarely. Occasionally, like this past week, I did um, some studio stuff with my friend Zane at my friend Jack's house, and he has like, a whole backdrop set up with lights and everything. And I, I think it was good for me to do that because it also is like really good practice since I don't do studio stuff very often, but I don't know. I just like the look of natural light better. Right. And, and yeah. is, have you, do you get hit up often to do studio shoots? Occasionally. Usually that's more like product stuff or like brand photos that I'm not posting on my Instagram. Um, and I'm like comfortable doing it. It's just to me, the, I don't know when there's no variation in like lighting or color or whatever, it looks like very stale and like, that's not my favorite style of photography. Right. But I also think that's probably because I just haven't like mastered it. Yeah. So I, I think what's cool is you've developed a great look. You, you share such amazing content. Right. And I think that's inspiring for a lot of people, but I think is the illest part is that this is, it opens up eyes for young women photography or photographers yeah that's what i always hope to do because honestly like growing up i i didn't even realize it until like a couple years ago but i was like all my favorite photographers were guys like i didn't know any girl photographers like i don't know but now i do and they're all my friends and i love it right and (laughs) it's cool for the exposure to be there but it's also cool because i i don't remember growing up and having a lot of like content friends that were girls like i just felt like it yeah you were pushed that way. It was just like, nah, kind of, or you're like a production person or a producer or some sort or something. And, and it kind of threw it. I off. mean, photography is like a very male dominated industry. And so I think, you know, I'm obviously happy with all the stuff I've been able to do throughout my career, but I'm also just like, I know there are opportunities I wasn't given because I was a girl. And so I'm always just like pushing myself to like do more and get in front of more eyes and like do yeah. all of that. 
Right. Yeah. I would love to hear about some of your future goals. Like what are your plans moving forward and what are your aspirations as you new city, new you, hopefully coronavirus. Yeah, I, I feel, uh, yeah, I feel like with just coronavirus now, I'm like, I dead ass don't know what I'm doing with my life at all. Yeah, I know. No one does. <laughs> Um, yeah, everything feels weird. I mean, um, I definitely love working with YouTube, love to like tour for a couple more years before I like get sick of it and don't want to do it anymore. But yeah, we'll just see where it goes. I mean, I know a lot of people don't, you know, want to do photography forever. So I'm hoping I don't hit that point for like a while, but, um, we'll see. We'll see. I, I have literally no idea what I'm doing with my life. Who says they don't want to (laughs) shoot photos forever? I, I feel like a lot of people, especially tour photographers, I, I feel like they get to a point and they're like, Oh, I'm too old to tour. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, I feel like I probably will hit that point at some, at some point. Um, But you have a good balance. You have a solid balance where you don't need to be on the road. You know what I mean? Like consistently. Yeah. Some people do that shit. Three, six, five, like, which is insane. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I'll do six months and I come home and I just need to like take a year and a half break. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I, I like having a break from touring. I like coming home. I like doing other photography stuff. I feel like that's what keeps me excited to go back out on tour. Um, but also this break has been very long. So. It, it, indeed it has. Um, <laughs> yo, I appreciate you coming in and sharing some of your story on here. It's, it's cool to, to give that information out there to the creative community. So I appreciate you for doing that. This has been great. And, and hopefully thank you so much for having me Link can hang out sometime at saddle ranch i'm down to go i used to live right next door yes. there, so it was a problem but yo so as we wrap up for anyone that listens to the podcast i i try to do this where um i tell you to pick a hashtag right i'm gonna tell everyone to go to your instagram at black prince they're gonna post on whatever your most recent post is they're just gonna comment and put this hashtag and they're gonna tag me at ben rovers world so we both know that they heard the entire episode to this point which makes them a real we've got so much pressure what should the hashtag be i can't help you i never do and it's one of my favorite things to watch. you never do no. um hashtag black prince with no cream black prince with no cream i love this there we go Ooh, shit. <laughs> all right tight yo i appreciate you stay safe and uh we'll talk soon great thank you so much have a good one bye Yo, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, go ahead and hit that subscribe button right now. I'd appreciate that. And if you want to connect with other like-minded creatives, share your work, get feedback, ask questions, find job opportunities, and so much more, join our free private community at bwnc.com join. We would love to have you. Next up on the podcast, we have another great morning roast episode. We will be discussing why you should never overpromise and underdeliver to your clients. I think this is crucial for all creators to understand, so I'm excited to share that one with you. I'm sure you've already heard it by now, but my goal is to hit 500 reviews on Apple Podcasts. I don't know if we're going to make it. I mean, I really am relying on y'all to do this for me and help me get to that goal. Uh, so do me a favor, drop a review for us right now. And if you do, you will be entered for a chance to win a free copy of our How to Charge a Client Guide and a free Black Widow Cream hoodie next week. Our winner for this week goes to MG Design Co. They said that when they first found the Black Widow Cream podcast, they thought they weren't going to be interested in it because... They didn't shoot video, but after listening, they realized that this podcast is great for any type of creator, and it's brought a lot of value to them. So we appreciate you for leaving that review. That's awesome. Um, Make sure to DM us on Instagram so we can lace you up with the prizes. Thanks to everyone who's shown love. We love y'all. Lastly, our show notes for this episode can be found at bwnc.com slash 210. So go check those out. Enjoy the work week. Keep creating, and I'll see you next week, you bitch.